Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stories in the Quad. I'm your host, Hollis Miller, and today I have a very special guest, Sarah Cross, a writer who I really admire and whose fiction I have seen grow tremendously over our four years as English majors here at Lenore Rhyme. She is a self-described proud autistic book nerd, lover of music, and you will likely find her binging a TV series or playing Minecraft. Sarah has also begun a new novel, Through the Time Folds, which features a simultaneously curious and hilarious character named Sterling, and also a timeless entity known as Origami, who travels across various timelines and attempts to keep the balance of the universe intact. I think you listeners will really enjoy this story, and this interview will actually be a first look into a story that one day could be a published work. I certainly hope that it achieves that level of success, and it no doubt has that potential. And you will hear some of that today, as well as some other stories. Sarah is not just a fiction writer, however, she also dabbles in poetry, and let me say that her poems are just as strong as her prose. They are formatted in a stream of consciousness-like manner, and are really a great glimpse into Sarah's mind and feelings. So without further ado, let us get into Sarah's mind a bit and kick off this interview. So welcome, Sarah. Um, Starting off with some questions. Your writing style is very fast-paced, stylistic, and even, I would say, sporadic in a very compelling way that speaks to your characters and their inner workings. What would you say about your style, and how do you put it on paper, and how can it help the reader understand who you are? I would say that when I first started writing fiction, it was basically, like, exact copy of Rick Warden. Rick Gordon, the guy who writes Percy Jackson. Uh, but when I started poetry, I just figured I could write from whatever I was thinking. And then as I got more into poetry, I kind of was less in fiction, and I thought my fiction was weaker. But uh, I think it was As I Lay Dying by William Faulkner that drew me into like how you could write fiction and like almost a stream of consciousness like poetry. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so I started writing more like how I write poetry. Mm-hmm. And then I also am really inspired by uh, Ocean Vong, and uh, his poetry is really out there. But his work, uh, he did a novel that's told through, like, it's to his mom who can't read, and it's just it's mm-hmm. really poetic. It's like he was writing poetry as a book. But it's not. And there's a narrative to it. And you had a little bit of a story called Wisdom Teeth to Read to kind of show us your style? Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, In this part, the the main character has just gotten her wisdom teeth out. So she's high on the stuff they give you. Uh, I close my eyes and the drive ends. Uh, In my dream... I'm back at school and beside the stands. There are girls crying, hugging their parents or friends. Ezra's teammates rush by me. There's a fire in my throat, but I don't move. Ezra speeds past. She keeps her head down. I get a small glance. Her eyes are rimmed red. I call out her name, but she just keeps walking. Her teammates linger in the air, displaying their blood, sweat, and tears. I call her name again, but she never looks up. Head down. She keeps walking. I wake up, and I'm in the car. Mother isn't here. I'm in the car in the driveway. I get out of the car, wobble inside the house. Mother is on the couch. You left me. There's a wine glass in her hand. Red, red, like the blood coming from my gum holes. Am I wise now? Sorry, you were asleep. Didn't want to wake you. The pain will be shitty. 
if I leave in my wise, I don't say she's a bad mom. I don't scream things that are in my heart. I stumble up the stairs. Yeah, all right, nice talking to you, Monroe. Ezra is still crying and I am nothing. Ezra hugs me so tight as if she's afraid I'll disappear. Burden me, I tell her in my car. I ask and she is silent, eyes red. I'm sorry, Ezra. What did you do before you met me? Cried in my bed alone. There's shiny glass behind her eyes. I'm sorry, Ezra. I go into my room, my eyes are heavy. My cheeks are balloons. I call Ezra, she won't answer, she won't answer. Ola, she says, Ezra, Ezra. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, silly, what for? I can't say. I love you. The words are too heavy. So I cry random words, and Ezra listens like always. <laughs> I love that. So another thing about your work is that it often features characters with conditions such as autism or deafness. Um, do you feel as if these types of people are missing from popular or literary fiction, and do you feel personally compelled to include them? I, I definitely say they are lacking from fiction. I've read a lot, and I... I don't think I've read an autistic character in books. And then from what I've seen in TV shows and movies, I hate how they represent us. It pisses me off. I don't, and usually characters I think that are represented well as autistic people are people they won't like, the creators won't even confirm they're autistic. Even though us, the autistic community will say, oh yeah, they're definitely autistic. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I guess an example would be, Oh, oh, do you know the show Bones? I've heard of it, yes. Okay, so Dr. Temperance Brennan, uh, Brennan, yeah, I think that's her name. She's a anthropologist, forensic anthropologist, I can't say it. Something. <laughs> she, she likes Bones, she studies Bones, she knows stuff about people from Bones. Mm. She is so autistic. Mm. And like, before my diagnosis, I used, I, I used to watch that show and I loved it and I felt like I could relate to her. And I didn't know why, and then, like, when I got my diagnosis, I knew why. And then it's, like, when I watch it, like, it's so obvious she's yeah. autistic. But no one says that. Mm. They give us these autistic characters that are, like, stereotypes or, like, Rain Man or something mm. that are supposed to be geniuses, and we're not really... It's rare if we're geniuses. And it's just the characters that really are autistic are ever, like, said to be autistic. Mm -hmm. So it's just frustrating. Okay. And I want to reframe how people see autistic people and i think that's done through the media as well and then with deaf people it's pretty much the same thing mm -hmm. i don't see anything about i don't think i've read anything about a deaf person yeah. i've read a rick warden book where he had a mute person signing but that was the only time i've ever read something that had someone signing so. okay well, i think that's pretty admirable um Another thing I really like about your work is the fact that pop cultural references are all over them. Uh, so do you think that the inclusion of pop culture is essential for connection with Gen Z audiences? I think so, because we're very like into like technology and in today's society we can like stream a TV show in like a day or two, I mean, mm -hmm. and um, everything's just more there accessible online and I know that I like I've never been one to be more like social so I've always thrown myself into like a show or a video game mm -hmm. and that's all I've done and then that's all I can relate things to for a while yeah so, okay alright and then as I mentioned earlier Sarah has a new story and novel in progress through the time folds which 
I think is an incredibly unique story, and she is going to be reading a small section of that. Chapter 1. Time is here. Origami crawled through the tall golden grass. The wind howled, and the sound of the freeway became thunder. When they had reached the bottom of the grassy hill, spots of brown and white houses greeted them. Origami stood up when the grass met a road. It smelled like fresh tar, and though it was dark, they could see that the white painted lines were new as well. Careful to hide their existence from passing car headlights, Origami put their hood on. If one person were to see them, then this timeline would be compromised. Origami didn't feel like explaining that to Time Mother, nor would they enjoy cleaning up the mess of a corrupted timeline. They walked down another hill after the road and found themselves at the back of a neighborhood. When Origami reached the back of the house, with no lights, they bent down in the grass near the back fence. They took out a small piece of brown paper and folded a rabbit. When they finished, they put it on the ground and it hopped away towards the front of the house, when they were scat- where there were scattered streetlights in the distance. Origami waited for what felt like an eternity, but then the brown paper rabbit came hopping back. They held out their hand and the rabbit jumped onto it. Origami crumpled the paper rabbit in their hand and they were immediately met with a message. Origami opened their hand and looked at the paper. They folded it into a flower and then laid it in the grass next to the fence. Thank you, little one, for your help, they said. So I think everyone would like to know, um, what was the inspiration behind this story? And how did you craft the characters of Sterling and Origami? Okay, so um, I brought it with me, but I was reading... This novel is called This Is How You Lose the Time War by Amal El Motar and Max Gladstone. And it's about uh, these two beings who are from the future and they are in different like agencies that are at war. And they fight throughout time. And to win, they like travel through time and they change the way that, that like timeline works so it can... like help them win in the future and it's back and forth back and forth and it's about these two women who write letters to each other and it starts off as like bragging and then goes into like almost like a love story but i was inspired by that i was thinking well that's cool what if i wrote a character who traveled through time yeah but it wasn't in the sense to like as a selfish sense but more it was like Mm. this was their duty to fix things and to make sure time goes the way it goes. And then that's where I got the idea and the line popped into my head, origami crawls through the grass or whatever. And so I wrote it down mm-hmm. and, and it went. Sterling was just kind of like a shadow of a character. Uh, I'd always wanted to write like this scene between two strangers outside these houses in the dark under like this like like weird like street light and they're just talking about like really deep things and yeah. the girl has bandages on her arms that's all i had and then i wanted that and so i wrote about that and then that's okay. how sterling came okay and would you mind reading um a little bit of the conversation between sterling and origami yes i shall read them okay who are you the girl asked just a traveler origami answered the girl blew out the not smoke again and the fruity scent came back Are you going to kill me and my family, then rob my house? Origami stifled a laugh. Not the first time this has been asked. No, I am not here to kill or rob you. However, I would like to ask you a question. The girl stepped closer into the streetlight, which revealed her dark hair to be dyed blue. A question. That's it. They nodded at her. Okay, well, 
Go ahead, I guess. Do you believe in the theory of multiple worlds? They asked her. In Flash's origami swore they saw her smile. What's that shit? Is it like believing in heaven and hell? Origami stepped back. Not exactly. Well, yes, both are concepts born from humanity. This is not what I asked. And who would you be, she asked? I told you. I'm a... No, your name. I've gone by many names. You can call me whatever, I suppose. Oh, don't give me that shit, man. Origami, call me that then. Hmm. I'm Sterling. There wasn't a handshake, but she had lifted her hand as if she were about to. Origami caught a flicker of bandage on her inner right wrist. Back to your little question. I've never heard of it then. Seems familiar, but hey, I don't really pay attention much to my professors. That's a shame, Origami said. It's whatever. Are you a professor? You kind of talk like one. I have for philosophy. I'm employed in a different way than you would expect. Seems like a cop-out of an answer to me. Wait a second. Origami, is it? Yes. I don't mean to pry too much. I just didn't want to be a bitch in the future. But can I ask what your pronouns are? That's relevant in another timeline. But I'll tell you anyway. They, them, or he, she. I could care less what you call me. I'm either or neither or both or one. Seems kind of sus to me. Time flows in different lines, and the world is constantly destroying itself. You find my identity suspicious. Okay, you got me there, I guess. Great. So, I have one final question here. And that is, what do you see as the reason you write fiction, and why is writing important to you? That's a really big question. Oh, I've grown up on novels. So it started from a love of reading, and I still love to read. Um, I guess I just figured that like I had a lot of stories and I could just write something. Um, when I was younger, I used to tell my mom stories and she'd write them down for me. Hmm. They're all really dumb though, like about four guys who are ninjas or something. <laughs> and then I got into this thing where like I got into like Japanese manga and anime, and uh, I wanted to be a manga artist. <laughs> And so I was, like, into that for middle school. But then I got into high school, and I took a creative writing class. And I realized, like, my writing was, like, shit. But I couldn't finish a short story at all. I'd never written anything Mm -hmm. completed. And she wanted us to write a short story in, like, almost two weeks. And I was like, what do I do? What do I do? And it was really bad. And we got our peers to edit it. And I don't even remember the first thing I wrote, but it was bad. And then I took that, that class again the next year. And I'd definitely gotten better in one year because it had it had gotten me pumped to want to write more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was simultaneously writing poetry because I had a lot of emotions. And I figured poetry was helping me get out stuff. And I didn't realize how much it could do that. And then eventually I just... I'd say writing has become something like breathing to me. I don't think I could live without it. I think it's essential essential mm-hmm. to my entire being. And I can tell when I haven't written in a while, I feel off. Um, I just know it's always been there for me. When people portray me, I can just sit down and write a poem and tell them everything I want to tell them, and even if they're not there. And then a story, I think stories are important because you get to be whoever you want to be. And I'm really curious about everything and everyone. And I feel so limited by my perspective that I think it's fun to be able to just, like, be someone else in a different world or something. And I think stories are just important. It's a way for people to relate or to see themselves in. 
So I guess there's that. Okay. Well, thank you for your time, Sarah.